0: And welcome to the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. We're brought to you every week by our sponsors precisionhydration.com.
1: Precision Hydration offer electrolyte drinks in different strengths to match how you sweat. Personalize your hydration strategy today at precisionhydration.com and get a free box or tube of pH worth up to 9.99 using the code OXYGENADDICT. We're also brought to you by foodcell.co.uk the next generation of top tube nutritional carriers for your bike designed to allow endurance triathletes and cyclists to carry enough food and gels while allowing easy access. Check it out at foodcell.co.uk. And lastly, we're brought to you by teamoxygenatic.com triathlon coaching helping age group triathletes see huge improvements in their triathlon performances. The time training system makes sure you get the important training done each week in a way that complements the rest of your life.
0: All right, everybody, welcome to the show. This week, we've got an interview for you with Matthias Pedersen, who went 7.52 to finish third at Ironman Sweden, the fastest Ironman debut in history. Imagine that hells going 7.52 in your first shot at the distance little bit of talent quite honestly
1: i can't imagine (laughs) (laughs) i can't imagine ever going like i mean genuinely ever going i'll tell you what
0: it's such a great interview he's such a good lad he's he's so new on the scene he hasn't even got any sponsors he's got someone who gives him free running shoes and that's it so yeah just top top lad and i think we're gonna see a lot more from him in the future as well um we've also got results from i'm in italy where you were Outlaw yes, X, where I was. Where you
1: were, yeah, and where, where Rich
0: was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And seventy point three Weymouth, where the weather was. <laughs> so we'll have a chat through that. So first off, listen, let's let's kick it off, Hells. Let's talk about your experience down in Italy after we've said a quick hello to our friends at Food Cell, our sponsors of the results section. I'll tell you what, Hells, it was absolutely bouncing down with rain at Outlaw X. It Ooh. was proper. It didn't. We had a nice start to the day, but it was biblical rain from about halfway through the bike for me. And I had the old food cell on the top tube with my spares kit in. And as I was yeah. looking down at the top tube and thinking, hmm, well, it's never been tested as to how waterproof it is before in weather quite like this. I got to the finish. I thought, I'm going to have a check in here. And I opened it up, expecting my spares kit to be swimming in water. Because, you know, people say it's waterproof, don't they? And it never really is. Mm. completely bone dry inside the food cell. So I'm a hundred percent confident now in saying if you had flapjack in there, if you had gels in there,
1: (laughs) you wouldn't have had soggy flapjack. You
0: wouldn't have had soggy flapjack, which like we laugh at, but then you get weather like that. And it's a really big deal if you can't get your food out, because how many times have we seen people with like some kind of food bar wrapped around the top tube and they can't get it off because it's rained. (laughs) It's like a real problem racing in this country. So as well as being aerodynamic, and as well as having that slidey top thing that opens and closes with one hand, it's completely waterproof. We really love it. So the price has been reduced by, <clears throat> excuse me, five pounds to thirty nine ninety nine. You can get it at foodcell.co.uk. Um, these guys weren't actually at Outlaw X this weekend. So I was approached by two separate people who said, oh, I was going to buy myself a food cell for the race and, and they've not managed to make it. So unfortunately, Mark was tied up with other business that day. He's emailed me today. So they weren't able to be there. But you can get them from the website. So check it out, foodcell.co.uk. So, Hells, a place where we didn't need waterproof top tube nutritional carriers.
1: Well, you did yesterday. Looked... Have you done the... Um for the for Ironman Italy which was on Saturday no you didn't it was incredible there was a break in the sort of slightly UK like weather oh really because like I saw the
0: footage of the Ironman and assumed it had been lovely for the whole week was it not
1: no 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 there was um yesterday when it was a 70.3 and the 51.50 so the Olympic distance um that was quite drizzly actually and quite gray and quite uh, quite chilly and I always think it's very funny in in Europe when we're there as Brits and you know we're still there in t-shirts and shorts and they're all wrapped up in like (laughs) gilets and and long trousers and scarves and hats and things like that yeah so it was it wasn't as hot as um as has been previously but actually on race day for the Ironman it I mean I was standing supporting and I was thinking oh I can feel my legs burning slightly the backs of my legs burning a little bit so So it it really was hot yeah yeah i mean i still wouldn't have wanted to run a marathon in under that sun because i think it it was still pretty hot um that's
0: interesting and we'll come to why it's interesting in a bit when we talk about the resort won't we Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, it could have just been me standing there, standing there watching. But um, no, it was. Um, I think if you if you're looking for a uh, later season race abroad, um, flat and fast. But uh, with that comes a lot of drafting. Um, even in the Olympic race, I was, I was actually shouting at and je- I don't really? uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. I was shouting at. Generally, it was packs of italian men it was mainly italians doing that olympic race okay and i was just i i would sit up and i would and i was Heckel like you're that. i did i was like you're Have actually you. cheating you're dra- <laughs> that's drafting that Love is it. drafting what was yeah, it like was in the
0: in the ironman naughty. and 70.3 race was it
1: so was it I mostly spoke to, honest or no i don't think so i spoke to right. naomi kira wright who yeah. came third in her age group i know she listens to the podcast as well and she actually said I wouldn't come back and do this race. That is not a fair bike course at all. But that is, I guess, what you get if you go right. to a flat, plateau yeah. race, isn't it? Because there's a long section up and down um, a, a dual carriageway or bypass, whatever. Right, I see. And so just packs of. It's a bit like Texas or so Barcelona riding. used yeah. to be as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and that's especially
0: a... hard, isn't it, for the for the top age group females who. get get caught up in or don't get caught up in it and someone else in front is getting a free ride yeah i got it for her
1: yeah so in in the olympic race um which i did yesterday um even then you had yeah these packs of guys kind of coming through and then you'd get like the odd female age group in with them and you're just like oh just do one yeah like you're just cheating so totally frustrating huh yeah yeah i didn't know you were Um,
0: racing that's good good news I've the Olympic.
1: Uh, so interestingly, um, I ended it because I I knew that I was going to be out there, yeah. and I thought, oh, that's a probably a good option. Um, so it was my, because I, I said it was just a one hit wonder this year for triathlon at the um what back in june whenever it was so i thought oh i'll you know dust it off one more time so but it was really it really was pretty much for fun because i was just on my road bike i had no aero wheels i had no aero bars i had nothing like that because i was just out there um and the swim oh my god so sea swim i was absolutely petrified rob really yeah absolutely petrified uh i had to turn on my back within the first 150 meters oh bless you Rearrange my goggles. Do a bit of breaststroke. Couldn't see. I, the, the water's not. It really was not clear.
0: No, it didn't look um, it in the video actually.
1: No, it was not clear at all. So you couldn't see a thing, and it was, it, it looked um, deceptively calm, I think, but actually it was really sort of yeah, it was choppy, very choppy and uppy wasn't downy it? And, very
0: rolly and swelly.
1: Oh god, it was horrible. So I got to halfway just thinking, ooh, and then at halfway. I realised it's okay, Helen. You're not going to die of a jellyfish sting. Just, you know, you're okay. <laughs> just <laughs> get your head down and just keep going. And and then I was, uh, then I was okay. Um, but yeah, proper hated it at the beginning of that sea swim. Really, yeah, oh, yeah, really panicked. Um, oh. and I, I like swimming.
0: It's funny how it can just happen like that sometimes, isn't it? Though,
1: yeah, it doesn't yeah. take
0: much, and nobody likes a jellyfish, eh? You got to be kind to yourself. It's
1: so, again, Naomi said she got stung all over the place yeah. on a jellyfish. Uh, yeah, and lots of people did say there were a lot of jellyfish in there on yeah. Saturday. Oh so,
2: yeah,
1: dear. good support on the run, flat run course, Um, and, yeah, good support. Well, listen, let's talk about the
0: Ironman event as well, because for people who haven't seen the results yet, there was a a step change performance from male winner Worth, wasn't there? Just
1: Oh, my God, oh my God. yeah.
0: Let's go through his numbers first, and then you can talk about how he looked. So he he initially arrived on the scene, obviously ex-pro cyclist with Team Sky, fantastic time trialist, fairly decent second pack swimmer, and his run was just kind of hang on, wasn't it? And then his his progression was kind of like last year he managed to just break through and run a sub-three-hour marathon, and we were all saying, well, oh, okay, so that's a, that's a decent-ish run now. This time he swum a forty-six, so front pack swim. Got out next to Tim Don, four oh nine on the bike, thirteen clear minutes faster than anybody else, and he ran two forty-five.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, absolute game changer.
0: So seven forty-six For overall, a couple of minutes slower than Tim Don's official Ironman world record, and another couple of minutes slower than. Lionel Sanders, I think, was in there, Arizona, about two minutes faster than him. But that's wild, isn't it? That really is a shot across everyone's bows. Now, Cam can run 2.45 off the bike. Yep. No one's going to be sitting and giving him all that time at Kona thinking, well, it's fine. He's going to come back to us because they don't know whether he will anymore.
1: No, exactly. He, he's, he's put, um... <laughs> it's really cool. He's put up on social media. I'm the 2.45 guy. <laughs> yeah he did he did amazingly and he was like yep good day but he said that he was not expecting to i don't think he was expecting it he said it went a little bit better than expected
0: now i've read reports the run course was a bit short there's there's varying reports of it being between 0.8 of a k and 0.8 of a mile short but even so that would still be a sub 250 run for him
1: yeah yeah
0: even on accurate still a legit fast run off the bike isn't it a 409 and just before we went on there helen and i were chatting i'm going to share this with you we went to a pace calculator to work out how fast 409 on the bike actually is that's 27 miles an hour everybody or the equivalent of a 22 minute 10 or a 55 minute 25 mile time trial oh my god it's just (sighs) yeah So fair play to kenworth that's how was he looking on the run because Obviously, two forty-five oh, paces.
1: He just looked so smooth. Did honestly, it he? just—he was just destroying it.
0: He looked. absolutely brilliant. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he was so far ahead. So far ahead.
0: And interestingly, he looked really composed at the finish. He didn't look like he'd killed himself. He looked. He looked relatively fresh when he's been interviewed afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He honestly, he, he did just look like Mister Smooth, and he was. Really he made it look easy.
0: Yeah. The real question is, can he back this up now in three weeks time? Has he has he given his performance of the year there three weeks before Kona? And is he has he completely blown his beans for the big race? Or is this a statement of intent for next year? I guess we'll find out in three weeks' time, won't we?
1: Yeah. So I think what is different about Cam is that he races a lot. Yeah. And and I think because he has got such an incredible background in endurance behind him. So he used to be a rower before he became a professional cyclist. And he would say that doing some of the, you know, doing some of the training and doing some of the sort of grand stage races or stage races for him, it's almost more yeah. normal to, to race so much.
0: I think there's a difference though, between being a cyclist and being a triathlete. And the difference is how hammered your legs get on the run. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think it's a shame personally. I think it's a shame he's gone so fast in Italy because if he'd taken that run to Kona, we, people wouldn't have been seeing him if at all, they wouldn't have been seeing him to the last couple of miles of the marathon. And then we would have had a real race on the hands And, and hand on heart. My gut says having turned that out here, there's nobody else, not even Lionel Sanders who's done some crazy, crazy runs, is doing a 2.45 marathon three weeks before Kona. And if he was, we'd be all saying he's blown his beans for Kona Mm because no one's bouncing back from that. I hope I'm proved wrong because I love Camworth, but my gut says he's going to get to the 18-mile point of the run at Kona and detonate no matter how fast or how controlled he's looking.
1: Just sort of changing context slightly, but it would be like someone going to try to run you know let's say a three-hour marathon at at london and they run a three-hour marathon three weeks out of london i guess exactly and then it's like you know can you recover and then exactly
0: yeah would you run a marathon in preparation for a marathon only it's an eight hour race you're preparing for yeah but but we will wait and see won't we we could be proved completely wrong and i'll happily eat humble pie if i'm wrong so Let's wait and see. My gut says, though, he'll he'll go to Kona and detonate, and then he'll do something spectacular in Western Australia after after Kona.
1: Watch this space.
0: Watch this space. So well, go on, let's Kona. do results then. You were there. You can do them, Hells. These are all yours, baby.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I should. We should mention Tim Don, by the way.
0: Oh yeah. So what happened so, to him? Because he came out it, of the swim.
1: Yeah, came out of the swim a couple of minutes back from um, Lucas Voigt, who. Had I mean he was clear by a couple of minutes out of the swim, and um yeah i from what I understand on the bit when so there's like a hill in the in the bike section, yeah, and apparently an age grouper was going up the hill while Tim Dom was coming down, but the age grouper was on the wrong side of the road and no. basically yeah crashed that was what I heard
0: oh poor especially after his background as well.
1: Yeah, it's... so that that was oh. what I heard. I don't, um, it's just, it's, it's rubbish, isn't it? Oh, poor Tim Don. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, uh, an age group competitor ran into his bike near the end of the bike leg, cracked his frame in several places. So he pulled out. Oh,
0: crikey. Do we know, is Tim Don qualified for Kona for this year? Nope. He's not qualified, is he not? Right. No,
1: so he's trying to get a qualification for next year. Yeah, okay. And he's also trying to do... Um, Paralympics as a guy. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right, so results then from Ironman Italy. Yes,
1: yeah, so we'll start off with the men. So Cam Worth takes the win in seven forty six. Oh, just <laughs> what a Say that performance!
0: Again. Say that again. Seven forty six.
1: Yes, what a performance! So forty six minute swim, four hundred nine on the bike, and a two forty five run. Yaroslav uh, Kovačić second in 8.03 and then Giulio Molinari of Italy uh, was very much a favourite with the home crowd to finish third in 8.08 and then in the women's race, uh, Caroline uh, Leider of Germany, she was looking really smooth on the run as well actually, so she was a clear winner in the women's race broke the course record as well in 8.48, she did a 3.06 but Jenny Schultz of Germany, she was running brilliantly she did a 259 uh she was second in 856 and then uh, maureen hoof of germany as well she was third in 902 and she is going to kona in three weeks time
0: interesting
1: yeah and then michelle Vestby was fourth i got a word with her so we will hear from her i think next week yeah. um yeah she i mean i still think rob she did 904 and that's her second iron man in the space of what Copenhagen was a month ago, pretty much. And she had a baby boy in May. So is she, is she chasing
0: a Kona qualification for next year? Correct. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. So she was hoping to get it done there. But I mean, still that is. Yeah. It's still amazing, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Fair play. Right. Well, we'll look forward to hearing with Michelle Vesterby next week. Cool stuff. Okay. So other results then. Outlaw X. So, new event at Thorsby Hall in the UK. Beautiful location, Hells, I've got to say. I think it's the best location I've been to for a triathlon. Like a stunning British country house-looking type, Pride and Prejudice kind of location. The sun was shining the whole weekend, which obviously helps. Apart from
1: race day. Well,
0: yeah. Start of race day was nice, to be fair. The first couple of hours were lovely, but the day before was just like a classic late British summer day, you know, not a cloud in the sky. It was ace. Um, great bike course, great swim course, great one course. The the swim was ace. You went down like and down and back and then swam around Little Island with a monument on it and back on yourself. And, and I wasn't sure how it was going to work before the race, but I think it was one of the, you know, when changes of direction can be disruptive sometimes and other times it makes the swim course really interesting. I loved it. I thought it was great um And then the bike course was mainly rolling. I would say some mm. good fast sections, but then when the heavens opened, it just became like you know, and you're just trying to stay away from people because you don't want spray on your visor. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It was tough old, tough old day out on the bike. And then it dried up a bit for the run, so a really okay. nice three lap run through, like a mix of trails and um country park and through forests great support like a figure eight type loop so you passed all the supporters twice in the middle of the loop and loads of supporters near the finish as well so yeah really really great event i was really impressed with it
1: rich said he loved it yeah
0: it was a really good event
1: he did he did say it was a fantastic fantastic race um kind of tough but yeah, but he really, really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Good good old honest good old honest course, I think is the way to describe it. Yeah. Um and I've got to say thank you to everyone who said hello during the run. I was toughing out one of those teeth grinders of a just get round the run and saying hello to oh. people. And um I must have spoken to a hundred people who said, Oh, I love listening to the podcast. I just had such a nice time chatting with people. It was great. So <laughs> really super nice and it's dead nice you know when you you can be at that point in your fitness where you're really focused on running really fast and then there's the other end of your fitness where you're hanging out with people who we're all just trying to get each other to the finish line and no one's trying to run fast we're just all trying to run so it was one of those days for me it was great like having a little chat and afterwards there were so many people who were just like oh we got through it you know real sense of camaraderie so it was really good
1: Aww. Well, sometimes those are the best ones.
0: Yeah, it was. It was great. Aren't they? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's really cool.
0: So at the point end of the field, we had wins on the ladies' side. We had a win for Michelle Carson, who brought it in in 4.46. Hannah Peel in second in 4.52. And Beth Wilmot in third in 4.53. Those two, Hannah and Beth, were running on each other's shoulders as they came past me and it looked like they had a right oh. Titanic or battle going on.
1: Oh, so, did they?
0: Yeah. Oh, actually, it might not have been. It might have been Beth and Shawnee Lovett who finished fourth. They were only 30 seconds apart at the finish.
1: I noticed that there were, I think there were three who all finished within yeah. about a minute.
0: My feeling is it was Hannah and Beth who were running side by side. Perhaps I'm okay. wrong with that. I was trying not to oh, fall well. over at the time in my defense. So <laughs> <laughs> And funny. over on the men's side, we had a fairly stonking return for form. For Simon George, who's, who's been out for a, about a year with injury, hasn't he? So great to see him back. He's a previous winner of the Outlaw half. He did 4.08 and really laid it down. He was about three minutes clear on the swim, I think, of everybody. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, and 2.15 on the bike. And uh, I think he ran one seventeen or something from memory on the run to bring it home in 4.08. And then Jali Bayou in second in 4.12 and Richard Bull in third in 4.15. So some very fast racing up at the front, but there was something like fifteen, sixteen hundred 1,600 people racing. So it was was one of those awesome days where we had everything from racing snakes all the way through to loads of tri-clubs who were using it as like an end-of-season party. And there was like a real sense of, like a real celebration. And hats off to the the commentators on the day who I think – they did a brilliant job of being like Duracell bunnies and keeping everybody going <laughs> right to the end. They were great.
1: That's I, I, So Paul Kay was in Italy and yep. uh, along with another uh, announcer, a couple of announcers, but because they had so many events over the space of the weekend, honestly, they would have obviously been up till midnight at the finish line on Saturday. And then yeah, they, they were still done. sort of they had to be back then for the banquets and stuff on Sunday morning. And yeah, their voices. Woof. <laughs> it's a
0: skill, isn't it?
1: It's amazing. Really amazing.
0: One last result to talk us through. Then we had 70.3 Weymouth going on. Um, and the weather did not play ball down there. They had howling on shores. And one of my athletes sent me a video through of her the day before the race with a fairly, a fairly solid shore break coming through. So the swim got shortened there to 750 meters um wins taken out by george goodwin on the bike he he i think he sat behind i think it was marcus herbst who had a storming bike like he rode 210 oh, yeah george goodwin latched on and rode 211 and you know came off the bike behind him and then lay down a 114 run and the distance was legit as well one of my athletes raced it and i looked at the gps tracker and it was a full half marathon so you know Fair play, one fourteen in those conditions is great. So he took it out in three forty four from Adam Bowden in three forty seven and Elliot Smales in third in three forty nine. Do you want to do the ladies?
1: Yeah, very well. India Lee. It was a British one two three, but India India Lee, who we had on just what three or four, just for the world champs, wasn't it? Yes, it um, was. That yeah. We had her on. Yeah. So she took out the win in four fifteen ahead of Claire Hahn in four seventeen. And then Katrina Rye, who again we had on earlier this year. She was third in four twenty-two. And um yeah, Claire Hahn got the fastest run of the day there with a one twenty-three.
0: Nice. All right, so on to our interview of the week. I've already mentioned we've got this young Danish gentleman, Matthias Pedersen. He went seven fifty two in Kalmar and The fastest ever debut Ironman. So we'll hand you over to our interview of the week. Okay, Matthias, welcome to the show. It's lovely to welcome you onto the Oxygen Addict Triathlon Podcast. Thank you for your time and for joining us. And let's kick this off straight away by saying congratulations, man. I'm all right in in saying the fastest ever Ironman debut time that you've just recently clocked up in Kalmar. 7.52.31, if you can believe that, on debut Congratulations, that's incredible.
2: Thanks, thanks. Yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was a crazy day, uh, and apparently also uh, <laughs> a very fast day. <laughs> so, well,
0: yeah, yeah, clearly a very fast day, but I tell you what, man, it's living the dream. Everybody dreams of, you know, stepping up to Ironman and having the first one be, you know, go really well, firstly, but to do the fastest ever Iron Man debut in history, how does that feel? Has it really sunk in yet?
2: No, not really. Uh, the idea of, of this little kid from from Little Denmark having an unofficial world record, just nah. <laughs> oh, that's but, brilliant. Uh, yeah. Uh, so,
0: so I'm going to tell the readers the story. We we got an email from a guy called Lassie who runs a Danish triathlon podcast. And he said, and I don't know whether this result has sneaked under your radar, but Denmark is becoming like the hotbed of triathlon talent. And this came through before the 70.3 World Championships as well. So he was like, you know, years ago, we just had Rasmus Henning and, you know, he run, he did really well at Roth, didn't he? Did he go 752, I think, from memory back in the day? Um, yeah. And... And then he's he's given me a list of, you know, now we've got Daniel Backegaard winning Ironman Austria. We've got Christian Hugenhaug winning Ironman Hamburg. And now Matthias has just broken the Danish record and done the fastest ever Ironman debut in history. So can we have some interviews, please? (laughs) (laughs) So we were like, yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and and your history. First off, how old are you and how long have you been in
2: triathlon form? What's, What's the story before you stepped up to Ironman? Yeah, I'm... I'm 24, uh, I've been doing triathlon since uh, 2011, uh, I was a competitive swimmer before that, uh, and then I got the shoulder injury like pretty much all swimmers do, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, and, my, and my coach said, uh, what about triathlon? I said, yeah, I, like I will give it a go, uh, and then I just kind of fell in love with it, uh, and started doing it more competitive. Uh, and then in, I think, 2014, I was selected for, uh, it was not the national team, but uh, the federation put together a team of the fastest short-distance guys in Denmark, uh, in Odense, the third largest city. Uh, and then we should like build up a team uh, where the main goal was to qualify as many guys and girls as possible to the Olympics in Rio and Tokyo. Yeah. Uh, And I was on that team until, what, 2017, until I got (laughs) kicked off for being, nah, not good enough. (laughs) Oh, really? Uh, Oh, bless you. Yeah. (laughs) No, I was not the best. uh, At at short distance, you need to be really sharp, and you need to make the right decisions in split seconds, Uh, and I wasn't good at that, so... I was always having a bad T2, T1s and T2s and lost that 5 seconds or 10 seconds. And if you do that every time, then you're never going to make it. Uh, and then, yeah, and in 2017, my coach said, mm, what about half distance? And I said, fine, I'll give it a go. Uh, I did a race, challenge Sardinia in 2017 uh, and got an eighth place. And I was like, okay maybe I'm better on this at this distance than uh, the shorter distance. Uh, okay. And then I became the national champ on the half distance in 2018 and had a good season there and at sixth place at ITU Worlds. Uh and then uh, this year I managed to defend my national title. Uh and then yeah, obviously do a pretty good race in in Kalmar. Uh and also got a podium in 70.3 uh, Uniköping uh, okay. in Sweden. Yeah. So this year has been pretty good.
0: <laughs> Do you know, there's so much to get into there, isn't there? The, the first thing is obviously there is such small margins of error when you're racing at the ITU distance. Yeah. And really. that, like you said, a five-second difference in T1, which to most of us normal people, it sounds like absolutely nothing. It really is the difference between missing a pack and
2: getting in the pack, isn't it? Totally. Uh, and and you also, you, well, my experience is that you need a certain mentality. That some people are really good at at doing that high intense, uh, and and like are really good at making the right calls when the decision is very stressed. Yeah, Uh, and I think that those kind of people do great in ICU because you really need to be able to like, you have to be fast at first, but you also have to like constantly make the right decisions. Uh, And then you have uh, the other guys more like me, who's like the diesel train, who's like I need a couple of hours to get going, and then then I'm ready. Uh, So, but that's just my experience.
0: What would be an example of of something where you would consider where you maybe hadn't made the right decision in those situations? Give us an example of that.
2: Uh, in, oh, I was always... Uh, I've, never, I've never been the best swimmer on the national team, but I wasn't the, the worst either. Uh, but I always swam better in the second half of the race than the first half of the race because I was really bad at the fighting for the position in the start. Uh, it's like, it probably isn't the right thing to say, but uh, you have to be, sometimes you have to be a little bit of a jackass to get your spot on the ITU swim court. Uh, and I wasn't good at that. So okay. when I when it's, when the fighting started, I just like backed off. Yeah. <laughs> and if you back off again, then you're in the back of the pack. And if you're in the back of the pack, then, you yeah, then it's just got a lot harder. Uh, so it's, yeah, that just that mentality of, yeah, it's, I have to get to the front now. I just didn't have that, uh, that kind of, kind of racing.
0: And, and so presumably that contrasts quite markedly with, with an iron distance race where the fields are, especially at the pro level, the fields are much smaller. And I'd imagine for a guy with your swim pedigree, the pace doesn't feel anywhere near as maximal in an Ironman.
2: No, I would actually say it, it's 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 actually pretty similar in half and, and full distance. Yeah, just the main difference is that you you're not fighting anymore. Ah, like, okay. Uh, when when the gun goes off, you still go full speed, and then after a couple of hundred meters, you have found your your spot, and then you just you can adjust your speed. But you're still pushing, but you're swimming at your own pace, and there's not a guy pushing you on the right, on the left, and on your feet and stuff like that. Uh, And then it suddenly gets easier because you are not getting interrupted all the time. Yeah. Because where I fell in the ITU, it was it wasn't really swimming because (laughs) you were constantly constantly hitting something, uh, and therefore it was like it was an all-out effort all the time, uh, even though you you not really swam faster than yeah yeah it's more uh, like a
0: water polo match than than a yeah, swimming exactly. race right yeah uh,
2: well, and the, the longer distances yeah you can you can more find your rhythm and then push uh, okay
0: uh, and what was your experience of moving up to middle distance like then when you you went out to uh, challenge Sardinia for the first time, you said that the the obviously the swim suits you much better because there 's much less fighting. How was this transition on to, to riding in you know, 90 kilometers and running a half marathon rather than the shorter Olympic distance
2: for you? Uh, I think the first thing I learned was that you better pace yourself or you're going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like Even when you're racing an Olympic distance, you don't really pace yourself. It's just like you go all out all out. And yeah. If you have a good day, you continue to <laughs> run fast and if you have a bad day you fall apart uh, and that t- took me a couple of races to learn that uh, that you have to run the t- yeah the first 5k and f- with uh, like e- not not easy but you have to run it like okay and say, oh I, this is good I can push and from, from now and stuff like that where uh, earlier it was just like if I could push I have to push yeah uh, okay and the bike was, yeah, I think in Sardinia I was surprised by how fast people biked. Uh, there was some serious horsepower out there.
0: Uh, who were you racing in that first race? Who else raced in Sardinia? Uh,
2: I think it was uh, Vincent Hernandez, the Spanish Olympian yeah. from Rio, who won, uh, who won the race. And then I think uh, Rudy Van Berg got the third yeah. And Bart Arnold's second.
0: <laughs> so talk yeah, about, talk about your, yeah. your baptism of fire. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I remember I had a good fight with uh, Ryan Fisher on the run, uh, but unfortunately he won that one.
0: Uh, yeah. All right. So what I really want to know, and what I'm really interested in is what goes through, an athlete of your physical calibers mind stepping up to Ironman for the first time. And is it the same as, is it as intimidating a distance for someone like you as it is for the rest of us age groupers who I can remember being so excited leading up to my first Ironman 20 years ago or whatever, and just thinking about it all the time. And can I even possibly cover all that distance and reach the finish line? You know, did you go through a similar sort of process or, because you know you went fastest ever debut was it always a plan to go at that speed or was that just kind of what happened on the day
2: uh, no it was, was never planned to go that fast <laughs> uh, I think I, I, I was actually looking a bit forward to the swim because uh, I know the field wasn't that strong on the swim uh, we had that one Norwegian guy who, a Swedish guy who was a really fast swimmer and then we had a lot of guys around me uh, so it, I actually was a lot less nervous uh, before the start than usual because I like, okay, I can still screw this up a little bit and make the front pack on the swim. Uh, and then when the gun goes off, you don't really think that much. I just swam with the other guys. Um, when I got to the bike, I remember I was quite surprised, surprised by how fast the other guys was, was riding in the, uh, in the start. Uh, how many of you
0: guys got off the bike together? Uh, sorry, how many of you guys got out the swim together? I'm looking at the results here because you swam 45 minutes for the swim, which yeah. is pretty mind-blowing for most people. But there was, a, there was a few other guys around you at the same sort of speed, weren't there?
2: Yeah. Uh, I think there was a talk about the, um, there was a lot of current on the, one of the straights that helped us, so okay. that was pretty much why we went that fast, but uh, yeah, we were a pretty big group, uh, I think it was Molinai, and uh, uh, Swedish guy, Karl-Johan, and...
0: Uh, That's right, Dennis Chevro was with you as well, by the look of things as well, and...
2: Uh, no, he, he, he never came up on the bike, he was only the run, and then there was the Brazilian guy, oh, I can't remember his name now...
3: Uh,
2: yeah, I've got to yeah. Uh But there was, there
0: was a there was a good chunk of you was so a four or five of you all got out together.
2: Yeah, we were f- four people. Uh at the start of the bike like uh Lord, we were I think we were 10 guys out of the water together but after uh 5 ks we were four people. Uh I had a pretty good T1 and uh, then I just left uh and it was only Molinai and the Brazilian and the Swedish guy who caught up with me. Uh, so I don't really know, really know what happened with the other guys. Yeah. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then apparently my power meter broke <laughs> because um, I was riding and then Molinari came up to me, uh, and my coach had told me that, okay, Matthias, no matter what, the first 50 kilometers you st- you stick with the front group, Yeah and then you can like see, okay, fall back and at your own pace, and but you you have to stick with the group. Uh, and I just did that, and then I looked down at my power, power meter. It's like 380 watts. Oh no! I was like, what? <laughs> that can't be true. And but yeah, and then then I looked up again and said, <laughs> and then I looked down again after 20 minutes, and then I have yeah 390 <laughs> average or something like that. And Jonas was like, ah, that can't be true. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, then I just ignored that and. And yeah, I was quite surprised by how hard, um, especially Molinai was pushing the pace. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. And then we also got to a point where we had some uh, crosswind. And then I just had to drop back because of like, okay, there's still (laughs) 130 k's left and it's not supposed to hurt this much that early. Uh, But apparently a lot of guys went too hard in the start it looked like because then when I got back into town after around 100 k my coach yelled to me that yeah everybody's alone, everybody's alone uh, so then apparently yeah people were just riding alone with one minute in between uh, yeah. and that was pretty weird because it wasn't it was a really flat course so people were supposed to be in packs but I don't know if the crosswind and stuff like that just blew it apart.
0: Yeah. Well, there were a lot of very fast rides that day, weren't there? But it looks like maybe maybe a power meter was right. Maybe he did ride for the first hour at 380 watts and everyone just blew to bits and yeah. did what they had to to survive to the end.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think it was wrong because it ended up with 340 average and I think that's that's still pretty high, it's pretty high isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it was a really fast day. Uh, boys who rode like, four three—that's just like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really crazy.
0: That's an unbelievably
2: uh, fast time,
0: isn't it? Yeah. Did you have uh, um, did you have any expectations before the race on on what kind of bike time you might do? Because I'm I'm presuming, like I said this before to you. I'm presuming you just want to finish your first one. That's that's the big goal, yes. isn't it? Just let me, get me to the finish line, even if I have to walk the marathon. So I'd imagine going full gas for the first 50k. Were well, there some doubts in your mind at that point?
2: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but then again, it was just like, stick to your own pace. This is what you have trained for. You've trained so hard for this. Like it's like, you're just, yeah just have to get to the finish uh, and then uh, I started seeing when we got into the town after yeah 100 ks that some of the guys from the front group had dropped back and then suddenly it was like okay I'm no longer the drop guy in no man's land I'm actually gaining on the other yeah. guys yeah. and then you get the confidence to just keep riding uh, but we yeah we hadn't really looked at Any time splits before because we knew that because if if there was a lot of wind, it's pretty slow. I think last uh, not last year, but the year before, last time there was a pro race for the men. Uh, Patrick Nielsen won it in eight eight ten or something like that, and rode four thirty. Yeah. so it's and one then, of
0: those courses, is it, that's really susceptible. If if the wind's in one direction, it's really quick, and if it's in another direction, it's really slow.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really. So we couldn't really yeah. set any time. It's just like, oh, yeah. The plan was to go 300 watts, but that kind of flew out the window with the power meter. <laughs> so it was just on 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 gut feeling. Uh, but yeah, it, it helped a lot that I I started catching the other guys. Because then you're like, okay, it's not that bad. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: okay. And where, uh, where did you get off the bike? Where were you in, in terms of um, position overall when you got off the bike then?
2: I think it was fourth. Okay, uh, so you picked your way we,
0: through a good few of them at that point.
2: Yeah. Uh, and I had, oh, I think, a couple of minutes to... Uh, Markus Liebelt, the German, and then a couple of minutes again to uh, the Swedish guy, and then we had, I think, nine minutes to boys. Uh, and the plan was to go out in, I think, four or three pace, or four uh, four minutes, around four minutes per kilometer. But I kind of screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> by... I. I yeah, I, I went out and my watch at 3:40, uh, and then I, f- I felt that I wanted to keep a certain cadence and a certain contact time with the ground. So, uh, so you took it out that. hard, huh? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I took it out really hard, and and my excuse was that it's yeah, if, if I if I slow the pace now, I also slow my cadence. Uh, so that was kind of like the excuse to myself to go out hard. Uh, yeah okay but but also because at that point you're like I wanna contest for the win yeah uh, and then I asked, so I had to try and, and see okay can I gain time on these guys or are they running just as fast as me or, or what's happening uh, and I think I caught uh, the Swedish guy and Markus built on the first lap so, within the
0: first 13k? Yep. Because uh, and... you, you must have passed these guys at running much faster than they were going. Because like, looking yeah. at the overall times, so there's a significant gap to how fast they ran, even with you slowing down a little bit later on. So, again, confidence, I'm guessing, is building at this yeah. point, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah really? I <laughs> think uh, it's, it's a bit of like that young arrogant confidence <laughs> like you don't really know what's going to happen so you just do just it anyway go it. yeah good <laughs> yeah. So, so what gap did Boris
0: have on you off the bike then
2: uh, I think it was nine and a half minutes and, and you were I going for it, it.
0: You, you, you were chasing him down right
2: yeah really <laughs> and I think I, I got it down to three minutes uh, but then I started to blow up
0: <laughs> okay
2: uh, like starting to walk the aid stations and walk a little bit in between the aid stations. <laughs> hey, there's there's a solid strategy and
0: there with some walk breaks, man. That's what I coach yeah. all my athletes to do. <laughs> yeah. Not so much the 341st kilometers, but the walk breaks for sure. So what point did you get to before before you started to feel like,
2: oh boy, the wheels are coming off? I think it was around 30 kilometers. Okay. Uh, because i remember i ran through i think the first half marathon in 120 okay and then, <laughs> and then i started to think okay you may have <laughs> missed this one up may have got a little <laughs> bit hard yeah yeah uh, i think yeah because I, re- I remember that i looked down at my watch and I was like okay 30 kilometers that's that's you're soon finished matthias but then yep. again 12 kilometers that's That's still a lot.
0: That that can mess with your head, can't it?
2: (laughs) Yeah, really. 12K Uh, to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so you managed to run him down to a three minute gap with 12K to go. And then what? Did it kind of hold about that gap all the way to
2: the finish at that point? Was everyone just in survival mode? Uh, Yeah, I think so. And that was, uh, it was also that around that point that uh, Dennis uh, came past me. and I remember that he, he came past me in an A-station uh, where I was walking. So he's just like, he ran straight yeah. through me. Uh, and yeah, at, at that point, it was, it was about finishing. Uh, so uh, I couldn't do more about, much about that. Uh, I knew from, I had my coach up there and he, uh, he had told me that that they were coming from behind. So I knew he was coming, but I still couldn't do anything about it yeah
0: yeah yeah sure okay so talk me through what's going through your head at this point then where you've closed it down to a gap of three minutes and then you've realized that the wheels are coming off and then there's some very fast guys running very fast behind you this is a you know we've we've already said we there were seven guys went sub eight hours but i think there were four guys finished within a couple of minutes of you either side so there's still some proper racing going on at this point, isn't
2: there? With, with 10 K to go. Uh, Really? uh, I, it's, it's, it went downhill very fast. So at that point it was really like, okay, I'm just going to finish now. Uh, I had (laughs) some of the negative thoughts had like taken over. So I was just like, okay, it doesn't matter now. You're going to, if you're going to get the fifth place and, you just have to finish, uh, just, just, yeah, just run with everything you got. Uh, yeah. And then apparently I didn't. I remember I think I ran 4:10 or 4:20 pace, so it wasn't really, really bad. It was not above five minutes. Uh, and then I could see that that the other Danish guy, uh, Morten. Yeah. He was. He, he, uh, I found out later, that he had some stomach issues also in the last kilometers. So I could see that he wasn't gaining that much on me. On me, so it was more of a fair fight. Uh, yeah. And then I think with one and a half kilometers left, uh, my coach yells to me, uh, "Do you want the podium?" Like, uh, <laughs> and then I yells back, "And yeah." <laughs> and then excuse me for my language but then he yells, then you better fucking go get it <laughs> and then i was like yeah <laughs> and then i started to, like i remember it like i started to sprint <laughs> with one and a half k left but i think it's just like i leaned a little bit more forward <laughs> so i, I yeah it, it wasn't pretty but it was enough
0: <laughs> but you managed to get there oh wow so, we end up with Boris takes the win in seven forty nine Dennis is in second in seven fifty one you 're in third in seven fifty two thirty yeah. then there 's only thirty seconds to Morton behind you. another minute yeah. to Tomas behind there. another couple of minutes to the Spanish guy you mentioned uh Rodriguez so i I'm just imagine how it must be if you first I man just want to get to the finish line but you could either be on the podium or finish seventh in the click of the fingers there, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, you did so well to battle forward and end up on the podium. You've I've seen the photos of you at the finish line, actually. It looks like you gave absolutely everything to get there. You're just half unconscious at the finish line, aren't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, did. I, I did a good pretty lad. good faceplant on the cobblestone, so <laughs> that wasn't good.
0: Oh, no. Oh, bless
2: you. Yeah, but, yeah... Uh... Yeah, it yeah it did hurt a little bit, (laughs) and I also remember that when we had to pump the uh, the champagne, (laughs) I almost dropped the bottle because my arms were so weak that I couldn't shake it. (laughs) Oh, bless you! (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it would have looked good if I dropped it (laughs) in.
0: At what point did you realize that this was the fastest ever, you know, world record, fastest ever debut of the Iron Distance? What point did that get through to you, and how did it feel hearing that?
2: Uh, I think it was a couple of hours after, because uh, it was actually only when I, after the finish line, I knew that I had gotten sub-8. My coach had yelled it to me uh, out on the course while I was still running strong. Uh, But then I thought that, okay, I'm not running strong anymore, so sub-8, that's not an opportunity. Uh, And then when we were running down the carpet, uh, they didn't have the time on our side just the clock, uh, and to be honest, I didn't have enough <laughs> energy in my head to do the calculations, <laughs> so uh, it was just when when Morten uh, came over to me after the finish and helped me get up, he said like, oh man, you did 7.52, uh, and I was like, no way, <laughs> wow. so, yes, yes, uh, and then after that, uh, I found my coach and my parents, and then my coach said that, uh it was the danish record uh and at yeah at that point we didn't know it was the fastest debut time i think it was only yeah a couple of hours after when uh i can't remember i actually think of, yeah one of my teammates who wrote to me uh and said it was it uh and then later uh the guy from uh, tryrating.com uh wrote oh, to me to confirmed him. it. Yeah. yeah awesome uh so
0: okay so a couple of weeks later after your race then the sore legs have hopefully worn off by now how are you feeling about the iron distance going forward
2: pretty good uh, yeah <laughs> I bet <laughs> yeah. no uh, actually it's, it's so good that I will do another one in what four weeks oh, really? I'll do three uh, I, I weeks Ironman Barcelona okay uh, yeah, I think I I still have a lot to learn. i still made a lot of mistakes. Uh so I'm yeah, pretty motivated to to put together a, a better race on the distance. Uh and just yeah, see if if I just was really lucky this one time or or if I can be this competitive. Well, I'm sure there was some luck involved,
0: but it wasn't luck that gets you to a 752 finish, man. That's <laughs> That's some serious potential at the Iron Distance race. Were you were you a fan of Rasmus Henning growing up? Was he
2: a particular athlete you yeah. looked up to? Yeah, of course. You you, you can't be a Danish triathlete without yeah, <laughs> looking right. up to Rasmus Henning. Have you met him? Uh, yeah, a lot of times. Uh, since I uh, got better and, and started doing uh, bigger races, we ran into each other uh, a lot of times. Uh yeah. I also think he was commentating the Danish uh, half distance championship where I won this year. Oh, cool. Uh, So, yeah, but, but I haven't spoken to him. him.
0: I was going to say, have you spoken (laughs) to him (laughs) since you broke his record?
2: (laughs) No, I haven't. (laughs) What a shame. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think he, he did a comment on Facebook about it. He was uh, truly inspired by how fast Danish guys were now, but I think that was all. Uh, but nah, he's a good guy, I think. Yeah. He will just be proud that that we are still pushing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, let's go on to that then, because it sounds like, you know, Lassie wrote in his email, there really is a golden generation of Danish athletes on the roll. Off the back of Gustav Eden winning the 70.3 world champs yeah. and Christian Blumenfeld in fourth, and the both of them nailing podiums left, right, and centre ITU distance still. Do you guys feel as though there's a real a real energy in the Danish triathlon scene at the moment?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of uh healthy competition. Uh it's it's still a pretty small community, so everybody knows each other and everybody's pretty good mates. Uh I like I train pretty, pretty much every day with Daniel Begegore. Uh uh and also have done a lot of races with uh Hönhaug, uh and and we yeah have a really good time when we're not racing. Uh so I think that's that's like the main secret that there's no bad blood between yeah. any of us but yeah. we still want to beat each other. <laughs> uh <laughs> so so we in, in a in a healthy way we push each other to to constantly be better. Uh while still uh, having a good time and enjoying a beer or two in the off-season together. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that's a a part of it. Uh, And then also at that, we have a lot of guys moving off from the ITU distance uh, to the longer distance, because... uh, we didn't don't really have the funding right now to have a lot of guys on the short distance. So you have a lot of guys with really much talent who's now yeah. being pushed further up in the system. Uh, I think a, a guy like Daniel Bekegaard would also, if if he had stuck to short distance, he would also be good there. I like, And we have another Danish guy, uh, Miki Tohold. Uh, he hasn't have, he really been lucky enough in his long-distance races, but... He's an absolute animal, so uh and he's also a guy who was pretty good on the course, at short distance uh and I think when he when he's finally finds his luck and nail uh, a longer distance race, it's gonna be yeah. I think you were going to talk to him as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you were still young. You're only 24. You're still at university at the moment, albeit doing a master's degree. How hard is it trying to find a balance between, you know, trying to make a living as a pro triathlete, even for someone like you who's been out and done a world best in the first Ironman distance? How hard is it for you to attract sponsorship and, and make a living from it?
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> really hard to be honest uh, I think we are that's that's maybe also one of the things that characterizes uh the new generation uh, especially on the male side that we are not really good uh, on the marketing side of triathlon uh, we have been raised to train uh Train hard, race hard, but we have not been trained to promote hard. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so I know that a lot of guys struggled when we had to to start to find our own sponsors because a lot of us uh, came up through the federation where we had funding there. They paid for our races. The federation had some sponsors, so we got our gear through there. Uh, and then suddenly you have to go out and find it yourself. Uh, and then, also uh, <laughs> a small part of it is that uh, you have. Uh, I don't, I don't think that it has an English meaning yet. But in Denmark, we have something called the law which is a law, like it's a social law about you're not bragging about yourself.
0: Okay, uh, like, like humility.
2: Yeah, uh, and. It's no, you know, It's not a social law. It's just that, uh, it's it's just a thing that that, that makes that some Danish athletes uh, have a hard time bragging about themselves, and also some part of the Danish population have a hard time about bragging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then also a lot of Danes and and also uh, the Danish the team Denmark, uh, the Olympic uh, Federation. Or the, yeah, the Olympic organization in Denmark uh, has this goal of dual career that, uh, that they want all the athletes to have uh, some kind of education on the side. Uh, and that's match a little bit the Danish way of doing it, that you, it's, sport is sport. It's, it's, it's a hobby. Okay. Comes, but, uh, and I, I, I think that some people suffer under that, that it's it's not like in Spain where if you uh, if you're a good great athlete in Spain then you are like a god for the rest of your life. I see. Uh, it's it's not like that here. Yeah. Uh, you can have a guy like Rasmus Hening, and then the, the day he stops, then people are yeah, then you're gonna get a job. Like
3: <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, different culture, I guess. Hey.
2: Yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah. But and so,
0: no. Go on, I was just gonna say, um one of the things we, we read on the back of the World Champ seventy point three, obviously Gustav Eden rode a road bike and everyone else is on a time trial bike and the reason is well I don't have a time trial bike. How is how is hard is it for you to find sponsors? Have you managed to get gear sponsors and bike sponsors and things like that, or is it just there's not even that level of support at the moment? <laughs>
2: uh yeah i don't really have any <laughs> no way <laughs> have, uh, really uh, yeah i i get i get shoes from uh Zirconi. i've done that for the last four years so yeah. uh for that i'm i'm truly uh grateful uh they've been with me through all my uh, like pro years uh but that's pretty much it uh
0: So if there's anyone out there listening who owns a bike (laughs) manufacturing company, there's a, there's a nailed on opportunity right here, isn't there?
2: Yeah. (laughs) I I, I think I'm cheaper than, than a lot of the other guys. Help, help a
0: Dane out. (laughs) All right, man, listen, if listeners are interested in finding out about you and things like social media and stuff, where can they, where can they go to find out more
2: about you? I think it's pretty, uh, it's, uh, mainly on Instagram. Uh, where I have an account under my name, or Matthias uh, Try, it's my username. That's where I update the most. Uh, but I'm also on Strava, uh, if you want to follow my training. Uh, and I upload all my training on Strava, except swimming. Uh, I just don't bother typing in I did 3K <laughs> of swimming. That's not fun. Uh, but but all my <laughs> all my rights runs uh are there so you can also follow my progression uh, nice. if you want to or, or learn my secrets even though there isn't really any <laughs> <laughs>
0: i love it uh so yeah awesome stuff and well listen thank you very much for your time coming on the show and congratulations again that time again 7 31 for the fastest ever debut i can't wait to see how fast you can get man best of luck in uh, Barcelona and we will really be following your progress my man take care of yourself thank you thank you great guy and it just goes to show doesn't it that everyone's idea of racing pro might not be exactly how it is with no sponsors and buying your own kit so if there's anyone listening to this who's looking for someone to sponsor Matthias might be the guy to go for maybe get in quick (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah and thank you very much Definitely. Thank you very much to uh, Lassie, who I met in Copenhagen for fixing us up with that interview.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks very much, Lassie. All right. So on to Coach's Couch this week. We've got a bit of a fitting one this week. Hells?
1: Uh, We do, Rob. Funnily enough, uh, Racing in the Rain. I thought we'd top do a tips, topical please.
0: one. Yeah. Top tips for racing in the rain. Cause obviously having, having been part of this this weekend, it's one of those things where you go, all right, there's some, some things happen when it absolutely bounces down that you can take care of beforehand. So a few tips here for you. The first one is stay warm and dry before the start, because although we were looking at Outlaw X before the start of the swim on those mornings where it's bouncing down beforehand, you need to stay wrapped up mm. warm and dry. So I've got like the Duke of Edinburgh kit list idea here, Hells. Full set of waterproofs, warm woolly hat, gloves, bin bags, spare in your transition bag. That's the key to a lot of the things I'm going to say here. We talked to a few people in the briefings beforehand who actually came up and said things like, where am I supposed to get carrier bags from? I had not brought any with me. We're very worried about not having plastic bags in case it rains. So, always have a few carrier bags or bin bags stuffed into your transition bag the tip with this is the first thing is all the kit that you take off when you get into your wetsuit put it in a bin bag and then put that in your transition bag and wherever the kit storage is at Outlaw X it was in an outdoor area and you know in a lot of races it will be as well your dry clothes then are not going to be wet at the end of the day if they're stuffed into a bin bag so happy days you get to the end of the race and all your clothes are dry to put on. Now, my next top tip was going to be to put your run shoes in a carrier bag or in a plastic bag. So if it hammers down when you're out on the bike, even if it's nice when you start, oh, your yeah. running shoes don't get wet. I was officially told by the race official in the last briefing after I told seven briefings worth of people to put their own shoes in a carrier bag, she said, no, you're not allowed to do that under British triathlon rules. You can't have bags because they all get blown away. So oh, no. I was like, oh. So her tip was, the official line is to turn your running shoes upside down in case it rains and then cover them with your towel. I'm not convinced that's going to keep your shoes dry. So I'm going to say stick them in a carrier bag.
1: I think that's what I've done before. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better than not nothing, isn't it? yeah yeah definitely and then and it's one of those things isn't it obviously if you're trying to race through transition then you don't want to be faffing around with carrier bags
0: yeah it's worth it though to have dry shoes i think it's it's horrible, but they're only going to get wet anyway well the example from yesterday was it bounced down during the bike but then when the mm. run started it yeah, stopped raining true. so i had nice dry shoes which was nice i'm a bit of a soft in my old age health <laughs>
1: The upside down thing, though, uh, yeah, I think I mean if that goes some way, then yeah, yes, it definitely will.
0: So arm warmers and a very tight gilet for the bike. If you're going to be riding in the rain for three or six hours, it can, you know, a very tight gilet can still be quite aerodynamic. You don't want a big flappy thing on though. And then my next tip is more to do with people who are performance focused. Accept that your power is going to be about five percent down on what you could do indoors on the turbo trainer, just because of the nature of riding outside in the rain your brain's going to be a bit more cautious so recalibrate your numbers in your head and aim for something five percent down because it's just the nature of our brain to be a little bit more cautious i was really aware there were times when i would usually have had my head down that have been powering along and then i'd look down and think yeah my numbers aren't where they should be but it was just because you know in the spray everywhere and you can't really see where you're going yeah I really didn't want to be just putting it down properly in the time trial position. So accept that and then the last one is remember to eat and hydrate because even though you're wet and cold you're still going to need the hydration and you're definitely going to need those calories you won't feel like it when you're wet and cold but you've got to get them down you anyway still nice yeah so there we go there's our top tips for racing in the rain so that's sponsored by team oxygen addict we're offering coaching for all triathlon events for everyone from total beginners through to kona qualifiers we even offer a 30-day money-back guarantee so if you're interested in finding out how coaching with us and the time training system can help you improve you can book a free coaching consultation with me over skype there's a link in the show notes There's also a link in there to download our free analysing your race performance document, which will help you if you've not had the race that you've hoped you were going to have over the weekend. Now, one last thing you've got until the close of play on Monday, the 30th of September. That's a week's time to get in at our 2019 prices because our prices go up on the 1st of November. So you've got until a week today as we record to get in at 2019 prices. Last little thing. If I haven't convinced you enough already that coaching with Team OA is a good idea, and you've not seen enough tri suits racing around Outlaw X this weekend to think it's a good idea, we're going to hear from coach team member Faker Deck from Austria about his coaching experience in the team.
3: Hi there. My name is Faker, and a year and a half ago, I got it into my head to um, to start with triathlons. I did um, two sprint triathlons and an Olympic. But I also realized that for me, I would love to find a challenge in doing the longer distances to go, to go for the real thing. But I ran into the, the real big problem that everybody tells you, well, if you ever want to do an Ironman, you need, to ru- you need to train 20, 25 hours a week, which I wouldn't have. And I wouldn't want to dedicate to it, to be honest, to, uh, as well. Um, I did my homework and I came across uh, Team Oxygen Addict, the time system very tempting, and um, I decided to try it. So I joined just before Christmas last year, and absolutely completely enjoy it. For the main reason that I now understand what I'm doing, it is indeed uh, an extremely effective way of training. And even though in the beginning you really wonder if if it's this easy, why doesn't it? Why doesn't everybody do it? Why doesn't it work so well? With everybody why are the people spending half their lifetime preparing for this so some doubt keeps nagging you physically very often it's also relatively relatively light there's a lot of let's say slow running to in the end make you go longer and faster it's a it's a very surprising um, switch to me um, there's good technical uh, directions for swimming drills trainings so Putting that all together, I I just decided to try it, and I'm loving it. My family is loving it because, in effect, I'm spending more efficient and less uh, actual time on training than when I was fidgeting on my own last year. And two weeks ago, I completed my first Ironman 70.3. That was a, a great achievement. That was exactly one year after my first ever try on a sprint. Um, It didn't completely work out, but that was somebody else's fault. Um, I got up back on my bike after being hit, I finished the race, and afterwards, and that was sort of the big, big moment for me for this training system, my wife said, can you imagine how your time would have been if you wouldn't have been driven into, if you wouldn't have crashed, and all that with the training you're putting in is fantastic. You have to continue, you have to come back here next year and smash the time even more. So I think that's where I'm heading.
0: All right, let's roll it forward, Hells, into some news that we've seen from around the world this weekend.
1: Yeah, so first thing, Rob, is I was saying to people on Friday that if you want to, or even last week, I think Ironman Wales is going to sell out.
0: You were. You called it. Super duper
1: record time. (laughs) And i was saying if you want to get involved for 2020, then you're going to have to be super quick. So, interestingly, uh, at the end of last week, they had to shut down priority entry early. Because people were being naughty, sharing the
0: codes. That's Correct. What we think, isn't it?
1: So, yeah, that is... So, basically, every year, um, Ironman release entries to it. And athletes who competed, uh, so this year, um, and... Like if they're all world athletes, basically they get priority. How long do they get? Do they get like a week ahead of time to get in? Yes, a week ahead of time. But apparently the priority link, which is sent by email, was shared. Naughty, naughty. Naughty, naughty. So (laughs) organisers had to put a stop to entries until today, which is Monday the 23rd, um, when it was just going to go on general... Sale at three pm, and if, if I don't know, it, it looks. We're trying to work to, out what's
0: happened, aren't we?
1: We are trying to work it out now. It looks like, it according looks to social like, media, it looks on. like it's sold out. No, it looks like it has sold out. But then someone else is saying, you know, keep refreshing the screen. You know, I'm not trying to gloat, but just perseverance works. Other people, it looks are like saying, the website's melted down
0: at the very least, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Some people still getting in, but it seems to sold out in record time. Um, and then other people are saying, you know, how can you possibly call this general registration when at 3 p.m. release time, it's immediately tier four and then sold out. Well, other, it looks you know, like if you want to get to Ironman
0: Wales, looks like you need to get on
1: it now, guys. Get to the link and try and get in. Because I think like it will be... be... By the time you hear this, yeah, it might be it'll, be, it'll be gone. But don't you think, Rob, that's interesting. So it's going to be the 10th anniversary in 2020. Yeah. And pretty much even someone actually, Hugh Dolphin, was messaging me before. And he said in 2016, he could pretty much still rock up, you know, the weekend of, kind of, and get in.
0: Times have changed. And i think now, it's got a lot to do with the fact ooh. that the weather was so nice there was such good footage of it on the internet and people have gone that looks like an incredible race beautiful scenery let's get in it times have changed hell looks like times have moved on and it's so good and it deserves to sell out because it's a fantastic event i think yeah there was the events like that that are great and they're supported year on year people are going to want to go and race them and they'll thrive it's brilliant
1: love it we've got accommodation booked brill <laughs> so, <laughs> so i'll be down there
0: <laughs> love it At this point, I'm going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors of the new section, Precision Hydration. Hells, do you know what I did at Outlaw X this weekend? Go on. I carried extra salt tablets with me around the run because I thought I'm going to need these as I go around. I can feel the twinges in the hammies. I'm going to take extra salt tablets. So I had a whole one of their blister packs, which must have 15 tablets in And I was thinking, great, I've got myself covered here. But the thing I hadn't reckoned on was how many other people I was going to pass who pulled up with cramp and jumped two feet in the air and the hammies went or the calves went. And I could stop and give them a free precision hydration tablet to try. Here you go, mate. Do you want a salt tablet? And people were so grateful to get a salt tablet when they've got cramp. So my new thing is people need to carry extra salt tablets with them to help a friend out as they get cramp as they're going by. You've never seen gratitude on people's faces like when they get a salt tablet and they really need it. It's awesome. So nice one. Precision Hydration offer um, hydration salts in different strengths to match how you sweat. Get over to precisionhydration.com. You can take their online sweat test to see if you're a particularly salty or heavy sweater. And if you take that test and then you find out that you are one of those you need to take care of your electrolytes for racing there were obviously people finding out yesterday that they were sweating more than they expected or that cramp really affected them in races when they get really really tired and those salt tablets just seem to work and just seem to help with it so it's a no-brainer to spend a couple of quid on salt tablets and have a little blister pack in the back of your tri-suit for race day on the back of the outlaw hells As well as talking about events that are opening, the Outlaw events are opening for 2020 this week. So all of the dates have been announced. They're going to have, oh, now let me get this right. There was all kinds of different dates and different tiers and stuff. I think what they're going to do this year is they're going to give priority entry to people who want to do half I am distance races, half outlaws to yep. people who enter the full outlaw first. So, Thursday the 26th of September, you can enter Outlaw Nottingham along with any other half distance event that you want to enter. And then phase two entries will open on October the 1st. And that'll be for people who are going to enter any two half distance outlaw events. And then phase three, we'll see remaining entries go on individual sale. Um, and they're also doing like a medal for people who are going to do all four of the events. You get a gold medal if you manage to complete all oh, four it's of It's like them. a series. Yeah, pretty awesome, hey?
1: Mm, yeah.
0: So I've got to say to anyone who's looking for a race for the end of the season next year, get into Outlaw X. It was it was one of the favourite events I think I've ever done. Top stuff. And one more piece of news before we wrap this up for this week. And this is, this I don't know whether it could be big news or not, but it looks like... Um, the organisation, the Professional Triathletes Organisation, have put an offer into the Wonder Corporation to try and buy Ironman. So we haven't yeah, really got I any more any more news than that at the moment, have we?
1: Uh, no, they've they've appointed Sam Renouf as the chief executive officer officer. Officer, yeah. And they've basically sent a letter to the directors at Wonder Sports Group, saying, "Hey, let's let's talk." Let's we want talk. to acquire Iron Man. Name me
0: Price. Yeah. So it sounds like it's going to be it's going to be more around the idea of reallocating all the money that's made in the sport to get a better prize pool for the pro athletes. And it looks like they've got big private equity backing from a bank to buy it out, presumably on the basis that they'll then, you know, offer significantly increased prize money. They've put a few tweets out, haven't they, sort of showing parity of what happened after Dart's. But, you know, that was the Collins players. Cup, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, they—it's the same people. It's the same people behind it, apparently.
1: Yeah. We had Charles Adamo on. That's the, right. On the podcast, oh, a couple of years ago.
0: That's right. So Charles Adamo, who is the brains behind the Collins Cup, which still hasn't happened yet, so we shouldn't really talk too much about that. But he's also involved in the PTO.
1: Correct. He's so, their CEO.
0: Yeah. So let's see. Let's see if they. Let's see if they agree to talks and what goes on there. Might put a few feelers out and see if we get one of those two on the show to talk about it if things start looking interesting. That could be a good little uh, good little section and good news for the pros if they might finally start getting paid proper money.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch that one. Cool. Well, that just
0: about wraps us up for this week, doesn't it?
1: I think it does. I'm going to go and do a whole load of smelly washing.
0: Well, me too. I need to get the washer on of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> of oh, the joys of traveling back from a race hey eh? <laughs> yeah love it all right everyone uh, thanks very much to our sponsors precisionhydration.com foodcell.co.uk and teamoxygenaddict.com you've been listening to the oxygen addict triathlon podcast i'm coach rob Wilby. and i'm helen murray and until next week everyone have a great safe training and racing week and we shall speak to you all again soon cheers everyone see ya